Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. And we have a great show today, folks, because actor, comedian, musician, Devin Rattray, who appeared as Buzz McAllister in two Home Alone films, has returned to talk about his starring role in Courting Condi again and to update us on his other movie projects, including Surrogates with Bruce Willis and R.I.P.D. with Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. You know, because reports have surfaced recently about Condoleezza Rice being considered as Mitt Romney's running mate, I think today's show is quite timely. But before hearing from Devin, I want to express my deepest sympathy to everyone impacted by the horrific shootings at the midnight showing of The Dark Knight Rises in Aurora, Colorado, last Friday. But now it's time to visit with Devin. So welcome back to Movie Act Headquarters, Devin. Very much. It is more than a pleasure to be here, Miss Tucker. Well, you could call me Betty Joe if I can call okay. you Devin. I'll call you Betty Joe then. Yeah, please do. And and um, thank you so much for uh, sneaking away from the set of The Good Wife uh, <laughs> to visit with our with me. I'm really really uh, pleased to know that you're you're involved in that. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about um, about what's happening there. I'm currently tucked away just outside a, um, a hospital hallway set. Uh, huh. in, uh, at Greenpoint Studios in Queens, New York. Uh, I am shooting an episode of The Good Wife, and uh, I happened to, I was wandering through the fake hallways of the sets looking for the quietest place I could go where there's not construction or other people going around <laughs> carrying heavy things and talking on walkie-talkies, squawking, you know, people coming, saying, coming, you know, cut, rolling. And I uh, found this little alcove in here, uh, but I'm gonna. I'm, I'm guest starring on an episode where I, uh, I'm testifying on the stand, Betty Joe. I'm testifying on the stand. Oh my gosh! Like the Perry Mason kind of thing. Wow. Yes, yes. But I, I didn't do yes. it. I didn't do it. I promise. <laughs> I, I hope that you didn't do it. Well, you're you really know how to pick quality projects to be to be involved in, and I, I'm so glad that you could be here today because you know it's been almost three years since your last visit, and you were such a big hit talking about Courting Condi, which had just come out at that time. You know, of course, it's all one of my all-time favorite mockumentaries, and I just enjoyed it tremendously. But we do have some new uh, listeners, and I know you don't, um, you can't stay for the entire show because they might be calling you back any minute um, to the good life. But um, just tell us a little bit, remind us a little bit about uh, what this, what Courtney Sunday was about, and uh, and why it's called the first ever musical docu tragedy comedy. 
<laughs> well, I can tell you first off the bat, it's called the first docu-musical tragic comedy because it is the first musical docu-tragic comedy. And I don't think I don't right. this one, I think the only one. Um, probably, probably will be the only one ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can uh, safely guarantee you that that is not the case. And we'll get into that Ooh. in a moment. Okay. <laughs> All first, right, I can hardly wait to hear that. So first, a, a brief uh, reminder or a brief uh, description of the film to all the first-time listeners, and perhaps there are some people out there who actually haven't seen the worldwide famous Courting Condi. Oh, I'm so sorry for them, and, and we hope we're going to talk them into seeing it uh, after the show, okay? Uh, yes, I, I think right after the show they're going to rush right out to the Netflix and order it online somehow and get it. <laughs> right. And they're in for quite a treat, let me tell you that. According to it's the story of a, well, a fellow who happens to look like me. Uh, his name is Devin Rattray, and he happens to be part of uh, a fan club of the certain former Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. And he has decided to, um, well, he's in love, and he just can't hide it anymore. And he has decided to go cross-country with um, a British filmmaker named Sebastian uh, to film his escapades and film people who know her uh, in attempts to woo her and to court her and, in, in fact, to become the first male secretary, the first husband of the Secretary of State, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens to be musical as well, Yes. It didn't go as well. True love, true love. There's there's kind of a rocky road. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is a rocky road, indeed. It starts off semi rocky with uh, Sebastian and uh, uh, Devin's friendship forming on the pretense that Sebastian will uh, film everything that Devin does and film these love discs, as they're called. These songs that he has written, he uh, he is going to make music videos for them and send them off to Miss Condoleezza Rice. And he's going to film these for him. And uh, they go across the country, and as tensions sort of <laughs> tensions rise between the two of them, as we find out more and more about Condoleezza and friends of hers, we go see her school, her school children, friends of hers who are, who are schoolmates, and we then go to... Denver and to Palo Alto, and she was provost of uh, of her college there. We we go to all these places, and more and more is revealed. And suddenly, Sebastian and I, you know, during the show, of course, during it all being filmed uh, cheekily under the guise of documentary, but we all know it's it's mockumentary. Uh, we we exactly. sort of yeah yeah it ends up quite a uh, quite a um, uh, a t- all to the guys of music as well. Oh, and I'm the world's most avid movie musical fan, so this is the part of the movie, Evan, that I liked the most. I mean, these little discs, these little songs that you wrote for for Condi, and then the way they were, you know, so so lovingly put together. I just, I just, and I understand you actually wrote. Um, 
a couple of the of the songs. That, did did I, I did. remember correctly? I did. I wrote uh, several of the songs uh, in the film, uh, including uh, uh, working collaborating with uh, Miss Carol Connors, who is a Academy Award winning songwriter. She uh, won the Academy Award for writing the lyrics to the Rocky theme song. Wow. Yes, so gonna fly have, now, you, getting high now, gonna fly now. Nine yes, words, the course. <laughs> Those words live forever. That song lives forever. They, they sure That's do. True. Yeah. And you were, Carol, and the little, also, uh, the, go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yes, please. Oh, I was going to say, well, Miss Carol Connors is also a, uh, a major part of the film. We encounter her in Beverly Hills, and she becomes a major character in the film. Uh, I won't give away too much. Um, but she uh, started off um, in a group produced by Phil Spector, I believe, called the, the Teddies. She did the song yes. to know, know, know him is to love, love, love him, as the rest of the song goes. I'm sure some of you will remember that. Absolutely. I definitely remember that. Well, you worked with some interesting people. You, you've been, been in um, so many different movies, too, not not just Courting Connie and Home Alone. Um, Dennis the Menace, Little Monsters, The Prince and Me, Breaking Point, The Two Bobs, and The Winning Season. You've done lots of TV, Supernatural, Heartland, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Damage Control, and now The Good Wife. So, You've been mm-hmm. keeping uh, busy since uh, Home Alone, and um, when you were on the show the last time, you talked a little bit about working with uh, Bruce Willis in uh, Surrogates, and I hadn't seen that movie uh, at the time. I have seen it. You played a great uh, computer nerd <laughs> in Surrogates, and I mean, don't tell Bruce this, but I thought you were the best thing in Surrogates. <laughs> so, and oh. then when I what I promised listeners, and I, I hope I'm not rushing you too much, but um, I, I did want you to tell a little bit about uh, one upcoming film that you have that I'm really interested in when I read what it's about in the cast, R.I.P.D., with Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. What's that all about? Well, that is going to be a summer blockbuster being released in uh, June of 2013. Oh, next year. Film, okay. Oh yeah, that was that's going to be uh, quite an extraordinary film with Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds, and Kevin Bacon. It's and Kevin Bacon out. too. Yeah, oh wow. yes, I play Kevin Bacon's right hand man. Oh my gosh! Uh, what what do you play in that? Uh, well, I actually play an eight foot thousand pound blue demon in the movie, but <laughs> you'll be seeing me. You'll be seeing me later on. Uh, I mean, I start off in human form. <laughs> Oh, I see. Yeah, well, just what think does, of it. Uh, what does, okay, here, just think of it R-I-P-D's, as. Oh, R.I.P.D. stands for the Reps Department. I, I didn't catch that. The Rest in Peace Department. The Rest in Peace Department. Yes, you know, like R.I.P., Rest in Peace. Yes, Rest in Peace, and the D. Uh, and then there's a department. And it's actually a police department of supernatural cops who are who are undead. They have died, and these are ghost cops oh who, gosh. oh yes, go around um, collecting uh, renegade spirits that have decided they don't want to um, go to their respective 
planes afterwards, whether it's upstairs or downstairs, and they decide to hang out around Earth for a while. And these cops come and they say, well, you know, sorry, it's your expiration date. It's time for you to go. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like so much fun, really. Oh, it and is. And that will be Just, next, yeah, 2000. Yeah, well, is there any, are there any other... Men in, men in Black meets uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, great. Men in Black meets Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to see that now. I, I'm sorry that I have to wait till 2013. Well, I, I know the, the time that you have is uh, passing by pretty quickly here. <laughs> so I want to give you a chance to mention any other projects and, and maybe what you've been doing with, with all your music. My gosh, you played the drums, piano, organ, guitar, and then write these songs. So is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about before you have to go? Well, I have five shows coming up, uh, five movies coming out in the next year, R.I.P.D. being one of them. Um, uh-huh. I've also just done Steven Soderbergh's new film, The Bitter Pill, uh, with Jude Law, Channing Tatum, oh. Catherine Zeta-Jones, and uh, Mara Tooney, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes. Yes. It's an extraordinary wow. cast. And uh, I'm uh, a patient of Law's. He's just in the movie, and I am patient of Jude Boss, and I gaze lovingly into his eyes all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Don't we all? If we would have the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now Jude Law. I mean, I have a I have a little bit of a man crush on Jude Law. I have to I have to admit it. He's, yeah. Well, uh, and he, he's a fantastic guy in person too. He's really nice. He's really cool. Um, brought his children onto the set. Plays him. He's a great dad. He's a really good guy. The bitter pills gonna be a oh. lot of fun. Oh, great! Well, that one that one sounds like um, I need to put that on my list too. So, yes. so and yes. you you got the three three more. Yes. Um, yeah. Now, bitter pills coming out in February of 2013. Now, hopefully, before that, there's another film called Elevator that I did, which is a thriller directed by Norwegian director Stig Svitsen. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a really really intense thriller. Nine people stuck on an elevator, and one of them has a bomb, and we wow. have to find some way of disarming the bomb and getting out of the elevator before everything goes all the way down to the ground floor. If you know what I mean. You're in some you're in for some excitement here with these films, listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> the wonderful Shirley Elevate. Knight is in it as well. Oh yes. Mhm. Yeah. She's she's so, a great actress. One one of the best. So you got the bitter you got the bitter pill and you got elevator, you got RIPD. Yes. Another film I'm doing is called Construction. That's directed by Malcolm Goodwin who just uh finished shooting Breakout Kings. And that yeah. is a that's a really sensational film. Uh three lifelong friends who grow up um in the construction business. <laughs> Uh, and one of them has a secret desire, a need to um, to do to sing, to be a Broadway singer. Oh, good! It's right <laughs> down my alley. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's a uh, that's a cute comedy, and that should be coming out. And I saved the best for last for you. Although R.I.P.D. and Bitter Pill are truly going to be fantastic films, yes. but the last film just for you. I thought that you uh-huh. might like this. There is a sequel to Courting Condi coming out. Oh, my gosh. I would never have thought it, but I am so excited about it. And what's it called? 
It's called Corey True. Corey Condi, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, there's so many different names there could have been. Yeah, we're thinking of Courting Hillary. <laughs> no, no, no. Courting uh, Hillary. No. <laughs> Oh, no, no. <laughs> the sequel. No, the sequel to this movie is called True Bromance. Oh, and it follows so the story, sweet. yes, of Sebastian and I going across the country. There was so much footage that we shot uh, of the original Courting Condi. There were uh-huh. so many escapades and so many adventures that never made it into the film because everybody wanted to be interviewed for the film and everybody wanted to be in the movie that we started using all these interviews and these adventures, these madcap adventures that we had going across the country never was able to be used. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So now we have out of the 290 hours of footage, we have enough footage to make an entirely new film without repeating any of the old footage. And it's right, all and will there be adventures. some new music, new new, new musical there will, numbers? There are, two, there are two new songs, two new love discs as well. Mm-hmm. And it is um, it is a whole new, there's all whole new, all the scripted stuff that we never got to use because we found the interviews to be very important. All of this stuff is now being released, and it's a whole new film. Oh my gosh! Well, do you have any idea about when we can expect this uh, little jam? It has already won several film festival awards. It has been going across <gasps> the Eastern Seaboard. It has won in California. It won. Uh, I have won two. My personally, uh, I have won Best Actor and Best Co-Writer. My first writing award, which I'm oh, very congratulations! About. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you oh. very much. So, I'm, so, I'm coll- so I've collected a total of three awards so far, and Sebastian himself has uh, no less than seven. So we have already won ten film festival awards for this film, and uh, Sebastian is currently right now talking to distributors about getting this film out there so that everyone can see it. Oh, that's that's a great idea. I I just am so pleased to hear that news. You've definitely made my day, and I I'm just so excited and so proud of you. All of the all of the things that you're doing, Devin, and you're, you're going to have to come back because uh, we need to talk more about everything that you're you're up to. And uh, I I think I've kept you longer than than I should have, and I don't want to get anybody on the on the good wife upset with me because that is such a great one of my favorite series so right if i um, uh, if i get anyone in trouble if i stay on the phone too long they're going to actually convict me of the crime and change it so i am the bad guy (laughs) oh dear we don't want to have that happen well it's just as always you you are just such fun to talk with and uh, i appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, bring us up to date on what you're doing and to give me these great news about this sequel. To it is recording. absolutely my pleasure. I love talking to you. I love listening to your show. Uh, I hope uh, I hope you, your new listeners enjoy it too. From what oh, I, I think they will. The audience is growing, so. and more and more people are hearing it every day. 
Well, thank you. You're you're so nice, and uh, we'll we'll hold you to um, a promise to come back and um, when we can have you for the for the entire show. And um, best of luck with with all your projects. We'll keep our eye on you and uh, keep cheering you on. Okay. Why, thank you very much, Betty. <laughs> thank you, and uh, bye for now. Okay, absolutely, absolutely, yes, indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Devin is such always such a fun guest, so um, I hope that we can get him back uh, so that he can stay for the entire show. But you know what I think I might do, because um, we do have 45 minutes. Now, we don't have time enough to play the entire interview of the uh, first show that uh, Devin did for us when we talked completely about courting Condi, but I think we can hear a little bit of it. Uh, some of it might be repetitive, uh, but I wanted to say a, f- a few words about um, about Condoleezza Rice. She is such a fascinating person, and uh, she definitely deserves a, a sequel <laughs> to, to Courting Condi. But um, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's uh, that's in the movie, but it's very, very uh, funny, uh, very creative, and uh, and highly entertaining. So I hope, listeners, that you, you'll, you'll check this out. And I was uh, doing a little bit of research about Condi this morning, and believe it or not, um, when uh, Fox polled uh, – Voters, Republican, Republicans, I guess who were planning on voting, I may not have that correct, but she came out as the number one choice recently of, um, of Republicans that they would like to see her on um, the ticket with, uh, with Mitt Romney. So um, she's very, uh, very much in the news, and um, even though this interview that I'm going to play uh, for you is a couple of years old, I think it's timely. And I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. This is uh, actually an interview that Jazz Shaw and I conducted with uh, with Devin. And so here is the first interview we did about courting Condi. Co-host Jazz Shaw is here, so let's check with him and see if he's ready to help get things rolling along. Oh, ready as always, Betty Jo, and I've been looking forward to this. Condi Rice is one of my favorite figures in politics, and uh, as you know, I also uh, do do a lot of media work uh, in political coverage. So I I found this a wonderful crossover topic for me, that sort of intersection between movies, one of my my greatest uh, loves, and, and politics, you know, which is more my professional interest, you know. So it was a great topic. Well, I knew that you would be the one, the perfect co-host for this particular, well, all the time, Jazz, but especially for uh, Courting Condi. And um, let's bring on uh, Devin right now. I'm just so excited about having him on our show. Devin, welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters. Why, thank you so much for having me on, Betty Jo. It's really a thrill and an honor, and it's a wonder to be on the miracle of Internet Radio Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for saying that uh, this is a miracle. I sort of think it's it's quite magical myself, and I'm just so glad you could be be with us today. I'm sorry that your director 
wasn't able to uh, to be on the show with us, but that just gives us more time to talk about him too, right? Well, absolutely. I'd like all the listeners to give a collective poo-poo to our director uh, because he's uh, he's over in France right now, and he's he's of course cannot get the technology together to to call uh, to get a, a cross Atlantic connection. So, <laughs> if, you know, it's just going to be me, which is perfectly fine with me. I don't mind. Because it's just all the more time to talk about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> I know. I, I I thought that you'd feel that way, but I do want to congratulate you and and Sebastian for this yeah. uh, this courting comedy. I that film really bowled me over. And you know, Devin, I think the PR that's been put out about it, calling it, let's see, cinema's first ever musical. Docu, tragedy, comedy. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It rolls trippingly off the tongue <laughs> if you say it a few times fast. The world's first cinematic musical docu tragic comedy, and it's yeah. not a. It's not a docu comma tragedy because we have to keep in mind it is. Uh, it is lo and behold rather funny to watch. So it's a musical docu tragic comedy. I'm waiting to see which category this shows up in on Netflix when it becomes available. <laughs> I don't, I don't probably, know where like it is. Yeah, it'll probably show up like jazz concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is it's a weird, wonderful, and highly opinionated movie. <laughs> well, even, yeah. <laughs> and you know, no, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, when making a documentary, there are three different films. There's the documentary that you have in your mind when you want to film a subject. Then there's the film that actually comes out when you have filmed the subject and the tape that you actually get and the situations that you're in that you couldn't possibly ever plan on being in because life is so unpredictable. And then there's the third film that you make when you're in the editing room. Right. Uh, and and once you you know once you have all the footage together you know you know adding in a scene in a certain spot or cutting out certain sentences or phrases or you can really uh make whatever type of film you wish in the editing room and uh that's where you get a lot of uh decisions that have to be made uh in the film we you know we started off with one with one film and as you saw throughout my journey uh we clearly came out with another another outcome at the end i know and where did the idea for this film come from, Devin? Do you know? I, was it your idea, or was it Sebastian's idea, or were the two of you together on this from the very beginning? Well, I'm supposed to say it was Sebastian's idea, but since he's having some snails and champagne, it was all my idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was all Devin. Good for it you. was all my idea. I did Sebastian it all. He rode along on his coattails the whole time. Absolutely. Well, I only needed him because he was a movable C stand. He was holding my camera. That's all he did. <laughs> just followed you around. I know, I know. Well, he he had an important uh, role in the, in front of the camera, too, that gave me a, a few chuckles. And what a lot of interesting information yeah. this movie if, presents, if, if, uh, and in a highly entertaining way. And how did you get the starring role? Well, actually, I mean, if you do want me to give you some real information. <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll pepper some truth into my own egomaniasm. Uh, but uh, if Sebastian did propose the idea to me. Uh, he will freely acknowledge this. 
Uh, actually, I don't know if he will or not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna expose him right now. He had, uh, as a child or as a as a young man, had um, uh, dreams about uh, naughty dreams about Margaret Thatcher. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sebastian is British. Uh, you sh- uh, the listeners should know that. He is yes. as English as they get. And uh, like tea and crumpets uh, all the way. That explains and, a lot. Okay. Yeah. So he's having um, rather inappropriate dreams about Margaret Thatcher scolding him with a ladle while she was uh, c- c- uh, cooking in the kitchen wearing just an apron. <laughs> okay. This is a PG-rated show now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, the demented subconscious of Sebastian Doggart is anything but parentally guided. Let me tell you. Uh, so, you know, this this had a, a lasting impression on him, and he had a uh, he had quite a lot of uh, you know issues with uh, women in power and women of political importance and women of world importance, which Condoleezza is. I mean, for the last eight years, regardless of what you thought of her, she was the single most important woman in American politics. For sure. Um, as, you know, of course, when uh, when the new Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, came in, she uh, you know tried to assert herself as the new most important woman in politics, but uh, Condi has a way of retaining her throne, so to speak. <laughs> right. right. Spoken spoken as the as the lead supporting <laughs> yeah. Condi. You know, this was this was quite a different role than the bully you portrayed in Home Alone. I I just saw Home Alone about again for about the umpteenth time uh, over oh. the holidays, and there you were as mean as ever, <laughs> the little Macaulay yeah. Culkin. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, as much satisfaction as I get each year watching myself torture uh, small little Macaulay, it's uh, you know a lot of people don't realize that, that movie is now 18 years old. Oh my gosh! Uh, and so you know Macaulay is in his late 20s. He's 27, I believe. And uh, I'm and now. And yet 30. those films are getting up there along the same lines as It's a Wonderful Life. I was noticing that this holiday season. If you're sitting well, at home and flipping through the cable channels, it's like Wonderful Life, Home Alone, Wonderful yeah. Life, Home Alone, and you the know. Christmas Story. Yes, I'm not. I'm not quite as old as Jimmy Stewart yet, thankfully. But uh, yeah, you really and and one of the ironies in Home Alone, of course, when uh, we're in France, is we're we're watching a scene from It's a Wonderful Life dubbed over in French, and none of the kids <laughs> can understand a word of it. The irony is just uh, the irony piles up on itself when you see that now it has become a Christmas classic. And each year around this time, you know whether I like it or not, or whether you know I've gotten tired of the movie or not. I, you know, I have a, I'm a part of something that's become a, a holiday institution, and it, it's going to affect generations for uh, years to come. There's already a new generation of people who are growing up just watching Home Alone on DVD or during the holidays, you know, that weren't around when it was in the theaters. And Absolutely. They, they, you know, they Facebook me and they email me, and people are still, you know, are you, are you Buzz from Home Alone? You know, I get an email once a week, at least from, uh, you know, Istanbul or Norway or Ireland, all over the place. The people oh. are still, people are still emailing me every, every other day I get Facebooks, uh, because they just want to connect with something that they grew up with. That's marvelous. I think that is really marvelous. And you certainly got a chance to show a very different side of you here in, uh, courting, 
Pondy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about about your character <laughs> in Courting Pondy and how how it's different <laughs> from Buzz McAllister? Well, sure, certainly. I mean, for I mean, everyone pretty much knows Buzz McAllister. He's not. He's not uh, an enigma. He's pretty easy to figure out, and he's not exactly one of the uh, one of the Mensa people. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna discover any cure for cancer or anything like that. And he's just a mean, obnoxious bully. And a lot of people sort of just assume that that's who they're gonna meet when they meet me, um, this sort of obnoxious frat boy. And um, you know, I don't disappoint them usually. I just punch them in the face and walk away. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm quite different from that, as it would, as it was. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, one one moment, please. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm actually much uh, much nicer than that. And this character has a, a lot to do with um, has a lot to do with what I really am uh, in life. I'm a uh, nice guy, I guess that's who it was. And Sebastian wanted to. Uh, Hold on, I'm sorry, one moment, one moment. Sorry, are we still, sorry, uh, I having a little trouble with the phone. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, yeah, right. sounds great. Okay, good. Sorry. Uh, so Sebastian wanted to sort of capitalize on this sort of listless, hapless, romantic, sort of kind of oafish guy. Uh, you know, someone who is truly love-struck by somebody who he's never met. And it's the exact polar opposite of what people are used to in Home Alone. You know, he's easily manipulated. Uh, he's, uh, you know, Sebastian is sort of, a, he plays sort of the bad guy in the uh, in the movie. Uh, a lot of it was cut out. But he's sort of like the one who's, you know, leading my character along the way. Uh, and my, my real, my parents play my parents in the movie. Oh, that's, those are your real parents. Those are my real parents in the movie. They were and they're both. Yeah, they, I thought they were. I thought they were both excellent in it. Uh, they had no trouble playing my my parents. No stretch and, for them. Okay. I, yeah, I noticed there were more uh, people with the same surname on the IMDb listing for the film. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Nepotism. That really is. That's, that's Peter and Anne. That's my parents. And they, uh, you know, they're pleading and begging me not to go off with this, you know, mad Britishman on this journey. And not to waste my money and not to leave uh, home to go and do this. And you know, they're sort of they're they're hoping you know that I, I don't get arrested. <laughs> you know, this for is, stalking. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. You know, the, the listeners don't know that's that's the main thing. Devin goes out to find out everything he can about Condoleezza Rice and also to get advice about how to woo her and win her and. Uh, in the meantime, he writes these wonderful love discs and <laughs> and films them and sends them <laughs> to Casalisa. <laughs> you know, it's hard to even say with a straight face. <laughs> the stuff that we do in this film, it's I mean, it's pretty outrageous, but we do it. And the songs are all authentic. Uh, I wrote two of them. Oh, um, great. I wrote Invisible and Golden, which is the uh, the... the one of the first songs and the the last song in the movie. Uh, oh, those were wonderful songs. I especially like the invisible. That was pretty touching. Oh if wow! I, Thank I you very much. One of the one of one of the early questions that came to mind, though, uh, I, 
I was trying to imagine what the biggest challenges were in making this film, and number one would have had to be, did you make any effort to actually get Condoleezza Rice involved in the project, you know, and you know, as, as opposed to just using archival footage or anything, you know, have her make an appearance, perhaps do a love scene, something like that, and, uh, <laughs> and, and failing that, what, what were the other, what, what made this particular type of project so challenging? Uh, well, we did clearly. Um, well, when you send love discs to the State Department, you know you, they're gonna they're gonna sort of uh, prick their ears up and sort of say, "What what what's this?" Uh, we we did indeed um, let the State Department know that we were filming this movie, and we did invite Condoleezza to participate in it. Uh, should she so desire, you know, we would, you know, we had, we wrote an ending where Condoleezza agreed to meet us and, uh, you know, we have tea or whatever we do and, you know, I would, of course, propose to her and then she would say yes and we'd run off together and live happily ever after. Uh, that ending didn't quite happen. I will spoil the, uh, that's a spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler uh, uh, alert, uh, right. <laughs> uh, but as much as we did try and, uh, get her attention for this film, she uh, somehow, for some reason, denied to be on camera as a part of this. However, she did send her agents, her minions, after us uh, once we reached D.C. to make sure that uh, we weren't um, uh, out of our minds, that we weren't really stalking her. <laughs> I can't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> we did receive visits from State Department agents on a Saturday morning at our... Uh, we had rented out a bed and breakfast for a couple of weeks while we were shooting in D.C. Uh, for those listening, uh, the climax of the film takes place in Washington, D.C., where we are set up headquarters and really start a small campaign to try and get uh, Condoleezza to just go out on a date with me. And uh, they showed up at our house, at our bed and breakfast, uh, early in the morning when the one day that we had off, <laughs> they show up when I'm in my pajamas <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, Sebastian is, uh, you know, running around at this time frantic, saying, the State Department is here, the State Department is here, I'm going to Gitmo, I'm going to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> you know, like, that could be the sequel. That would be, that would be a great sequel. Sebastian gets deported. <laughs> Sebastian and Devin in Guantanamo Bay, although I think we had a, a movie with a similar name. You're, you're dealing with a lot of logistical challenges in making a film where you try to get involved with the government, particularly at that level, Washington, D.C., with current terrorist issues, uh, obviously a lot of challenges. Looking back on the whole project, did you learn anything for that sort of an effort for other filmmakers, anything you would have done differently in how you approached trying to get the desired results in making the film? Well, I will say for one thing, um, I do know, I mean, I do know a little bit more firsthand now where this Homeland Security is going and how on top of it people are. Like, with the State Department, they knew as soon as we landed in Washington, D.C., they knew where we were going and where we were headed. Uh, they could have very easily have bugged the place. I don't know. Uh, they they knew who I was. As soon as I walked down the stairs when I saw them on Saturday morning, one of the agents turned to me and said, hey, my kids love you. I was like, what? <laughs> who are you? And he was like, oh, sorry, I'm Agent Mike with the State Department, and my kids love you. Every Every Christmas we watch Home Alone. Buzz rocks, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I – so I think that's a good place to stop that interview. I hate to do it because it's such a, a fun one, but um, 
dear listeners, you can hear the entire interview if you will go to uh, the Courting Condi uh, episode back in 2009. So uh, you can check that out and and, uh, listen to the rest of what Devin had to say. And, of course, it's been a real treat uh, to have him with us at at the beginning of the show. But it's time to wrap things up now. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blogcock Radio for featuring this episode as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. And special thanks again to Devin and to Nikki Starr and Neil Haley for their help and to everyone who uh, listened to the show. I'm very sorry that we were not able to have uh, a chat open today because of some uh, technical difficulties, but I hope that uh, everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. And don't forget National Dance Day this Saturday, July 28th. In the meantime, check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So Kenny Loggins will take us out by getting us in the mood for National Dance Day. Get ready, everyone. Here comes Footloose.